Romans 8, beginning with verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor height nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, life is a journey. And children, remember that word journey. Life is a journey. This world is not our home. We are temporary residents here on earth. An idea that the Bible describes with being strangers and sojourners, which means that we're on our way to a homeland that will one day descend from heaven and replace this old and worn-out world. Now my question to you this morning is, do you have any fears on your journey to the new heaven and the new earth? And if you have any fears, what might those fears be? Might you perhaps fear opposition on your journey? People can sometimes be very big. And things can be big. And circumstances can be big. So big that you and I fear that these things might oppose us and hinder us on our journey. Might it be that God might not provide you with what you need for your journey? Or might it be that when you reach the end of your journey, God might reject you 
And he won't let you into heaven because you are so conscious of your continued falling into sin. Or might it be the fear of the unknown? Yeah, you never know what's going to come out of left field and hinder you, right? The fear of the unknown. Let me also ask you if you have fears, and I think you do, and I do, how might these fears hinder your experience of the joy of living the Christian life on your journey to the new heaven and the new earth? The joy of living in fellowship with God receptive to his voice. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Open to the provision of God. Eagerly expectant for what God will give you. Available to the leading of God. Where do you want me to go, Lord? Because I'll go. That joy can easily be hindered by fears. Also the fear of living in God's good world and enjoying God's good gifts in this world. I ask this because our text is also about fears. And Paul addresses these fears by encouraging us to live in the Holy Spirit so that the Holy Spirit can teach us to think through what Paul has just said in the previous verses in Romans 8. And he does that because it is so easy to be driven by our fears and our emotions It is so easy to live in the flesh. And when I say live in the flesh, I mean this time that, yeah, you functionally live without God. You believe in Him. And you love Him. But when it comes to the nuts and bolts and the challenges of everyday life, it is so easy to to kind of functionally live without your faith in God. You live in the flesh and not in the Holy Spirit. What what if this happens? Right, children? What, What if that happens? And what if this doesn't happen? And what if that doesn't happen? Now, when we're driven by our fears like that, Paul encourages us as we live in the Spirit and as the Spirit is teaching us to have the Spirit teach us to argue against our fears and to unmask these fears for what they really are. They're unbelief. Functional unbelief. 
and to learn to entrust ourselves again to God and his promising word so that we can rejoice again on our journey. Actually, what Paul is doing here is a sort of a cognitive therapy. And in a sense, all preaching is a form of cognitive therapy. I was going to put that in the theme, cognitive therapy, but I thought it might scare you, so I didn't put it in there. But, but that's really what it is, cognitive therapy. And for the younger ones, you know that word cognitive is a big word, right? When you think of cognitive, you have to just think, think. So when I say cognitive therapy, it's like thinking therapy. And therapy has to do with treatment. Like when you're sick, you go to the doctor and the doctor gives you something, right? That's th- it can also be therapy. You, you get treated. So Paul is giving us a sort of a thinking therapy to think through what he has just said in Romans 8. Argue against our fears. And in order to help us argue against our fears, Paul asks the question, what shall we say to these things? What are these things? Well, these things are the things that he has just said in chapter 8. When we live in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit enables us to slowly but surely become those people and places where heaven and earth meet. When we live in the Spirit, the Holy Spirit helps us in our struggle against the virus of sin. By reminding us, for instance, that all those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. And that the Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are sons of God. And to these all things also belongs the fact that when we live in the Spirit, the Spirit enables us to Wait with patience for the full installment of life in the Spirit during our earthly sojourn when creation groans (coughs) and we groan. And last but not least, to these all things also belongs that because we don't know how to pray as we ought, the Holy Spirit Prays his own all-knowing and perfect prayer in our lives. And now, says Paul, in the light of these things, draw four conclusions for your spirit-led cognitive therapy. Four conclusions. And the first conclusion that we draw is, God is for us. The one from whom, 
through whom and to whom are all things. The one who exists as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The God who is the only God there is. We exist because God is. The only God there is. The one who has the whole world in his hands. The one who has you and me, brother, in his hands. The one who has the little children in his hands. This God is for us. This God is for us. Because this God is on a mission for his glory. That's why he created the world. That's why he created you. He wants this whole world. And he wants humanity to participate in his glorious life of which the essence is love. By embodying the glory of this love to one another and to a watching world. This God is for you because of that. And this God is so committed to that that he poured out his Holy Spirit on the whole church so that the Holy Spirit could join believers to the Lord Jesus Christ. And in joining believers to the Lord Jesus Christ, have the Lord Jesus Christ do in the members what he has done for them through the Holy Spirit. Now here comes the cognitive therapy. Paul says, in the light of that first great truth, God is for you. Live in the Spirit and don't live in the flesh. Live in the Spirit and have the Spirit teach you to argue against any feeling of fear you may have. That some sort of opposition on your journey will prevail and have success against you. People. Things. Circumstances. Some of you may know the book. When people are big. And God is small. Well that's what's happening here. That's where the rubber meets the road. We often think. People are big and things are big and circumstances are big and as we're living in the flesh and we're functionally unbelieving and all of these things are so big and our God, our big God is actually so small. And Paul says, 
Let the Spirit unmask that and show that for what it really is, unbelief. Live in the Spirit. Learn to entrust yourself again to your big God and His big promising Word so that you can rejoice again. Here comes the second conclusion. In the light of these things, these all things, the second conclusion that we draw is that God is for us. Well, not that God is for us, that He did not spare His only beloved Son, but gave Him up for us all. His own Son. Can you imagine how costly that was? For the Father. He only had one son. And from all eternity, the Father lived in a communion of love with this Son. So that when this Son came to earth and he was baptized at the Jordan with the Holy Spirit, he said, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And what took place there at the Jordan was always the case in eternity. God was always well pleased with His only Son. And He gave Him up for us all. Why would He do that? Because God is love. God loved the world. God loved the people of this world. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever would believe in Him would not perish but have everlasting life. The only way that God could bring the world and the people of this world back into this communion of love that he has with the Son in the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, the only way that God could do that was to give his only Son and do what we did not do and could not do. God tried that with Abraham. Tried is a human way of speaking. God tried that with Abraham. In you shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And they weren't really literally blessed. Literally in Abraham. You have to read that deeper. He tried that with Israel. And Israel failed. It was a big failure. He tried that with David, a man after his own heart. You just look at the history of all the sons of David. The ten tribes were sent into exile. The two tribes were sent into exile because of their idolatry. And so finally, God sent his only son, the true Israelite, the true son of Abraham, 
to do what all these physical descendants of Abraham did not do. That's, that's how far God was willing to go to rescue his mission for his glory. Give his only son. And now comes the cognitive therapy. The thinking therapy. Because your thinking influences how you feel, right? Even the younger ones know that. If you always say to yourself, oh, I'm so ugly, or I'm so skinny, or they don't like me, you got all these negative feelings and thoughts, right? Or these thoughts. These negative thoughts influence how you feel. So you need to learn to think positively. That's what Paul is doing here. Here's the second, thinking therapy. When you are afraid that God's not going to come through and provide you with what you need, don't park there. Don't live in the flesh. Live in the spirit. And in the spirit, unmask that unbelief of your life. And think this through in this way. If God has already given me the greatest gift, right? If he has already given me the greatest gift, will he not also along with that greatest gift give me all lesser gifts, all that I need for body and soul. As you and I pray, when we pray, give us this day our daily bread. If he's already given us the greatest, how much more will he not give us the lesser gifts? And trust yourself to this God and his promising word. And rejoice again on your journey. Here's the third conclusion. In the light of these things, beginning of Romans 8, we also know that God elects sinners into his divine human family. And maybe someday I'll come back and preach a sermon just on election. But I can't do that here because you just need to have that for the flow. Okay? But we know at least in the light of these things that God also elects sinners into his family. And here's, here's the point. Once God elects sinners to salvation, he also makes sure that he reaches the goal of that election. That big human family of sons and daughters who are all clothed with the glory of Jesus, the embodiment of the glory of God. And how, how do we know that, that he makes sure that he reaches the goal? Well, those whom God has elected he justifies. And when you hear that word justify, 
You need to think of the big day of judgment. Yeah, we all say, you know, he's going to have to meet his maker one day. We say that sometimes when we we're very unhappy with our politicians and they take very godless decisions and we say, yeah, one day he's going to have to meet his maker, but what we do too. We're going to have to meet our maker. And then God in Christ is going to pronounce his verdict over us. And when he pronounces his verdict over a child of his, a believer in Jesus, God says, that's my boy. That's my girl. They're members of my family. I declare them to be righteous in Jesus Christ. But we already have that verdict today when we believe in Jesus. That's the nice thing about believing in Jesus and being justified. The verdict of the last day is moved forward into time so that we today already know what the verdict on the last day will be. That's the heart of justification by faith. So you say, yeah, yeah, God elects, and so he makes sure that he reaches the goal of election. Well, how do you know that? Well, you already know the verdict of the last day. <laughs> if you believe in Jesus, you have already been justified. And we also know that those whom God elects, that God will reach the goal of that election, because our text says that Jesus is interceding for us. I always liked that when Jesus said to Peter, yeah, before he denied Jesus, he said to Peter, I have prayed for you that your faith would not fail. And then when you return, come and strengthen your brothers. I have prayed for you that your faith would not fail. Imagine that. Jesus is in heaven and you and I have trouble believing. Our faith goes up and down with the circumstances of life. And now our text says, Jesus is interceding for us that our faith would not fail. God will reach the goal. And now comes the cognitive therapy. You know by now what that is. The thinking therapy. When you think that at the end of your journey, God might reject you because you're such a miserable sinner. I'm such a miserable sinner. Sometimes we can sin big and sometimes we sin small. And sometimes we can sin big in our thoughts. All begins in the mind. And sometimes we can sin in our actions. And that can make us afraid sometimes. What if I don't make it to heaven? Right? Think that through. Don't live in the flesh. Live in the spirit 
and argue against those feelings of functional unbelief? Who can bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who has chosen. What is more, Christ Jesus who is interceding for you in heaven. Unmask your functional unbelief. Learn to entrust yourself again to your loving God and His promising Word. And here's the fourth conclusion that we draw from these all things. We know in the light of these all things that God's love will never let us go. I said to you earlier, he's got the whole world in his hands. He's got you and me, brother, in his hands. He's got the itty little baby in his hands. They're loving hands. God has, his, has us firmly in the grip of his loving hands. And because he has, nothing will ever separate us from God's love in Christ Jesus our Lord. No suffering, no sickness, no hardship, no human power, no demonic power in this present age or in the age to come, in this world or in the next world. Here comes the cognitive therapy. In the light of this, when you fear the unknown, what if it is, right? Yeah, but you never know. You never know. Some people are more fearful than others. Eh? But we all have this fear. You just never know the unknown. Well, when you fear the unknown, argue against that. And if nothing, if we are held so firmly in the loving grip of our Heavenly Father, then nothing, not even the unknown can ever separate us from God's love in Christ Jesus our Lord. And as you know, I always come back to the beginning. What are your fears on your journey? And how do those fears, whatever your fears are, frustrate, frustrate your joy on the journey? Ask yourself, where might you and I, when I say you, I always include myself, don't worry about that, right? Where might you and I need to live in the spirit more? 
and have the Holy Spirit teach us to argue against our feelings of fear and unbelief and teach us to entrust ourselves more to our big and loving God so that we can rejoice again. And I always end with this, with the Jesus. Jesus says to you and me this morning, because I want to get to this bit that Jesus has done something for us that he's going to do in us. So if I want to get to that part, I have to tell you what he did for us. Now, what did Jesus do for us in the light of our text? Jesus says to you, I always lived in the Holy Spirit. Do you believe that? Do you believe Jesus always lived in the Holy Spirit? Yeah, he did. And he says... I always entrusted myself to my heavenly Father. Do you believe that? He did. He always entrusted himself to his heavenly Father. And because he did, Jesus said, I believed, functionally believed, that no opposition, and he had a lot of opposition, no opposition would ever prevail against me. He believed that. And Jesus also says, because I lived in the Holy Spirit and always entrusted myself to my Heavenly Father, I always functionally believed that God would provide for me and always give me what I would need. Yeah, how else could he fast for 40 days in the desert and say, it is my food and my drink? He said that later, actually, to do the will of my heavenly Father. And Jesus also says to you and me this morning, because I always lived in the Holy Spirit and entrusted myself to my heavenly Father, I rejoiced. I rejoiced in bringing many sons to glory even though it meant that I would be rejected by my father for three dark hours and not experience and not actually be, it's not just experience, he actually wasn't in that loving embrace for three dark hours. Now here's the point. Here's the point. You never should forget this. Jesus never does anything for himself alone. As he's doing all of these things, he's doing all of these things for you who are in him. And so he says, I did this for you so that I could do it in you when you live in my spirit so that I can form Form myself in you so that it is no longer you who live, but Christ Jesus who lives in you. And when you live that way, I will generate, another key word, I will generate my own trust and my own joy in your life.
on your journey. Amen.